Today, I'm joined by the founder behind some of the world's most beloved and iconic fragrances, Joe Malone CBE. The name behind two fragrance empires, Joe has truly mastered business and beauty. So stay tuned as we discuss just how she did it. Hi, everyone, and welcome to Founder Beauty, a podcast dedicated to beauty entrepreneurs who built some of the biggest brands today and where we learn exactly how they did it. We'll cover some of the most intimate stories, their path to success, and how they overcame the obstacles along the way. I'm Akash Mehta, CEO and co-founder of Fable and Main, a modern hair wellness brand inspired by ancient Indian beauty secrets. Building Fable and Main has been an incredible journey so far, and I've decided to launch this podcast as a founder keen to learn and connect with fellow beauty brand founders around the world. I believe in collaboration over competition, and so I'm using this platform as a way to hopefully help and inspire each other in what can be quite a tough and lonely journey. So if you are an entrepreneur or simply just curious how to build a brand, this podcast is perfect for you. So without further ado, it's a delight to welcome our guest for today, Jo Malone. She is the British perfumer and entrepreneur behind the iconic fragrance brands Jo Malone London and Jo Loves. Bottling an indescribable passion for fragrance and the memories they unlock, Jo has truly paved the way for niche fragrances into a mainstream beauty category. Her scents are loved worldwide with a contribution to British creativity on an international stage celebrated by her CBE in the Queen's Birthday Honours list in 2018. But behind this love for fragrance is also a story of incredible entrepreneurship, one that led Jo to grow from struggling with dyslexia in school to becoming a self-made businesswoman. With her unmatched skill for creating sophisticated yet unexpected scents that tell stories of their own, Jo is an industry trailblazer. And it's an absolute honour to sit down with you today. Wow, that was some introduction. Well, Thank you. All thanks to you and what you've done. It made it very easy. So, um, well, not easy to bottle it up, but generally speaking, thank How you. How wonderful, though, to do a podcast like that. Just Because do you know yeah. what? It is a lonely road, isn't it? It is. When you're setting out and, you know, you are you are the trailblazer, you're the one. Yeah. It is lonely and it's so lovely to be able to share stories and positivity exactly. and and I often think if you can do it and I can do it anyone can, anyone do, it. can, anyone can do it and that's exactly yeah. it and, and I think that's why for me even creating this podcast was sort of like an accidental kind of mishap because I initially created the brand with my sister <laughs> and it was actually a few founders reached out to me and they were like Akash um, we'd love to just do a zoom catch up find the founder and then I was all, you know naturally you say what was your journey like and then I was listening to all those stories and I was like I want to record the Zoom and mm. have my team listen, have my friends listen, have yeah. the world listen. And I thought, okay, it's not the usual path as a founder who's got to focus on their own brand. But I was like, in my free time, I'm going to interview founders of yeah. beauty brands and also feel less lonely because I'm a young entrepreneur coming into this world. I, I used to work in the corporate world. I worked for Estee Lauder, I worked for Dior. So to kind of jump ship in that kind of cushiony kind of corporate world to like create your own brand, which you know can be so yeah. scary that's braver that way around than yeah. starting entrepreneurially and then, and then moving the other way so exactly. congratulations thank you well well i asked all my guests the same question i'm going to ask you so who in a nutshell is joe <laughs> she's that young entrepreneur she's still that i feel like i'm that young 30 year old yeah. right at this moment again yeah and my 30s was such an amazing time in my life and i feel like full of expectation full of um, she's an adventurer. She's yeah. an explorer. She's a pioneer. Yeah. She's creative, but she can be quite difficult because she's got her mindset on, you know, I love 
my mind has always got that goal ahead of me and that's what I head to. Yeah. So um, I'm sometimes, you know, put my hands over my ears as to things I don't want to hear and off I go. Yeah. But as in a nutshell, I'm just this creative being that um, is so excited by life again. And yeah. I haven't had that feeling for quite a while. Yeah. I want to get to that as well, but I kind of want to start the beginning. So growing up in South East London. Um, uh, yeah, in yeah? Kent. In Kent. Yep. <laughs> I've born in North London. But um, what were some of your like early memories of beauty and what are some of the stories you can share? So I grew up in a family where my mum was a beautician okay. and she worked for this incredible woman called the Countess Luwati, who, so I was about seven, eight, mm-hmm. and they had um, a laboratory and a little clinic in just off Baker Street yeah. in somewhere called Montague Mansions in yep. West One. I know. And I would go up with my mum at the weekends and every holiday and I would spend time with Madame Labati, who was this six foot two woman, blonde hair, yep. in her eighties. Wow. White lab coat, fishnet tights, blood red lipstick, and she had a very, very deep voice. And I loved her. Really? Her real name was Doris Hilda Baker. Okay. Um, she had married a count, so she yes. was in, perfectly entitled. But she had created this beautiful world mm. of beauty and cosmetics. And I made my first face mask and face cream with her really? in the laboratory with the pestle and mortar and yeah. the, you know, the rose oil and the sandalwood powder. Um, and my mum was a beautician and a skincare therapist. So my whole world was made around beauty. And although we lived in a little council house, two up, two down, uh, my jobs at the weekend would be make the cleansing cream. Yes. So I would sit in our little kitchen and I'd have kitchen roll and marigold gloves on and a mask. Um, and I'd have a big enamel bucket mm-hmm. and I would make the cleansing cream with the oil and the beeswax. And I'd watch it and it would all melt down. Then I'd let it skim take the jug and fill all the the pots. So cosmetics were and are part of my life. Like I'd maybe struggle making a souffle for you, but I could make a face mask out of anything. You know, I'd go into the fridge or the cupboard and pull something out. So it was part of my world and this appreciation. Mm. I think that's what Madame Labati taught me, this real love and appreciation of ingredients Mm. and quality. I can really relate to this because like growing up, so my father is in the beauty industry for 40 years. He actually does fragrances. What does he do? Um, So he started like, uh, he came from Uganda, exiled out and then came to London as as an immigrant. And then he basically uh, started going to Dover, selling, buying fragrances and Wembley Market selling it. Over time, he started like slowly building his little, you know, fragrance empire. So he has now licenses that he does from Ariana Grande, Jennifer Lopez to oh, good for Formula him. One. So he has quite, quite a big global company now, but literally from nothing. What to, a wonderful story. Yeah. yeah. I, and so growing up, I was always, um, I, I kind of was always in his business meetings, learning about fragrance. Mm. Um, fun fact, my mum is actually allergic to fragrance. So we were never allowed at home. Oh dear. So that was like the worst thing. Like you had all these fragrances <laughs> dad had. And I was like, never, if you were in the car and you had a bit of fragrance, mum was like, who smelled, who prayed something? I was like, not me. And me and Nikki were like, is it you? Um, but actually it was quite funny because um, I didn't really understand that my path would go in the beauty industry because I studied engineering. So I was thinking I'd work for NASA. I did all my internships in BMW, Airbus. This was my path, right? But I didn't appreciate it till later. I actually failed a year at university, had a bit of that aha realization moment of what am I passionate about? What do I appreciate in life? And I actually realized all those meetings I had with my dad, all those, you know, learnings of beauty, that appreciation turned into actually me creating 
Nothing's ever wasted, is Never it? Ever. And yeah. you don't realize it. So later, so I want to ask you, like when you were, you know, building, the, making the face masks, et cetera, did you ever think at that moment you could actually create your own beauty brand? No, no, no. I, I, not until years and years later. I think like a lot of entrepreneurial businesses, mm. you build something to survive. Exactly. To pay your rent. Yeah. To, to and, the, and for 10 years of my life, you know, that was, I, I just built it to survive. And mm. because of my upbringing, I didn't want to borrow money. Mm. I didn't ever want to get overdrawn. Yep. So I would always, whatever I had, would go back in. You know, if I had 100 quid left, I would be, oh, I must go and buy that 500 grams of jasmine oil. You know, yeah. I, it was just... And it's still within me, that, that yeah. wonderful sense and appreciation. I, I don't believe anything is ever wasted in no. life. What we learn, even if we learn what we don't like, that's sometimes more valuable than learning yeah. what you do want to do. Um, but that, I think the beauty industry really spoke to me. Mm. And it wasn't until I started to have my first shop and, and then, you know, you know, when I sold my first business, I knew this that is. I was changing the world. And it was at that point, this young woman who came out of school with no qualifications, who teachers had said I was lazy and stupid and never make anything in my life. Suddenly, I'd sold my business to the biggest global giant in the world. And my life then took off in a different direction. But often when you're entrepreneurial, you just, you're looking at day to day. I mean, especially at this moment in time in the economy we're looking at, you know, SMEs are small, medium enterprises. They are vital to our lifeblood because some of those SMEs will go on to be big global brands and some will just employ 10 people. It doesn't matter. They're they're adding adding something. Um, So that survival instinct. And then you suddenly get these breaks, don't you? You get these Mm. crossroads in business and you go, this is my moment. And you can feel your feet leaving the ground and you think, I've got to run with this. Yeah. And I've always been, you know, when you ask me that first question, who is Joe? I've been, I've always been a risk taker and I will always, uh, if it doesn't work out, it comes back to to roost with me and uh, I have to find another way. So one thing I always say, a lot of my friends who are not really risk taking um, individuals, they always worry about what if a decision goes wrong or right. And I say, one thing I live by is honestly my motto is um, there is no wrong or right decision. There's just, there's just a decision, especially as an entrepreneur. There's mm. just a flurry of decisions we've got to make. Mm. All of them have pros and cons, right? Mm. We can look at every decision we decide and we, we could have gone one way or the other. Mm. But actually, it's how you deal with that, how you learn from it. And exactly as you said, mm. some of the, the things that didn't turn out the way you want to or didn't turn out right actually are some of the biggest blessings you can have. Um, cause you need to know, and especially in this world we live in, there's so many opportunities. Sometimes we need to like cross them out or say, we've tried it, it didn't work out yeah. to know which path to go on. But a lot of people are frightened of that. And, and so sometimes when people say to you, will you be a mentor? Yeah. What they're really saying is, can you, can you help me avoid all those? Or can you make decisions for me or something? Can you make yeah. decisions for me? Exactly. Yeah. And it's like, no, no, you need to learn because what that does is it empowers you. It puts business muscle on you. So mm. failure is often the doorstep to success. Yeah. Because what it does, and how many times have you created a product? I know I have. Yeah. And gone, that's not, that's not worked. That's yeah. not okay. What, what is working here? Let's take that and let's, try, let's turn it around. Let's twist mm. it. And sometimes, I mean, my paintbrush that I created for Joe Loves, that was full of mistakes. Yeah. And then right at the end, it was like, there it is. Yeah. That's the product that will change the world. Yeah. So you have to keep pushing and pushing and pushing and perfecting. Yeah. I think... Um, and test, especially if you're innovating or doing something new, 
there isn't much benchmarks or case studies. So you, you have to sometimes take risks. It won't always work. It's like a gamble. You know, you can't always make sure it works day no. one, but it takes time. It takes time. I think, we take, right? we're, I, I think if everything worked every single time, yeah. it's like meeting people. Yeah. You know, if you, if you liked every single person you ever met in your life, yeah. it's quite dull, isn't it? Exactly. Really? Yeah, yeah, and yeah. ideas are a bit like yeah, that. Yeah. Sometimes they work and sometimes, sometimes they, they don't. don't. Yeah. And uh, it pushes you on to find, it does me always, pushes me to find a new solution. Do you get, ex- I mean, I get sometimes, a bit, some of my, quite, my employees think I'm a bit psychotic when I say I get excited by symptoms, failures, or like decisions that maybe... I'm like, because for me, it's like, I actually wouldn't want a perfect business. I think that would be quite boring. You know, like having everything so great, everything. So I, I, do, I think I need moments of humility, grounding, yeah. moments of mm. stop, take a pause. Let's adapt. Mm. Let's be agile. Because otherwise, um, well, hey, that doesn't exist. Let's be honest. There's no such thing as a perfect business. But generally speaking, I look forward to them. Do you get sometimes? I, uh, I do want a perfect business. <laughs> yeah. But that's what I strive for every yeah. single day and a but perfect product. And yeah. a, um but you're right, you know, and the world changes, mm. you know, day to day. I mean, look, look at us all. We, you know, we make decisions today and this time next week, yeah. they might not be appropriate. Yeah. And But that I think is healthy. Yeah. And I think that keeps you on your toes, that keeps you thinking. And it also keeps you looking at, a, at a, your team. Mm. Who are the people that we're solving those? I mean, I look at my MPD team and, you know, sometimes – they work so hard and I'll go, no, yeah. no, it's still not there. And what I love about them, they go away and they find solutions and That's they so bring nice. them back to the table. And that brings you much closer together yeah. in a creative relationship. I get very irritated by people who you ask them to do something and they just won't do it. Yeah. They just don't. Well, they don't, they don't want to say no. For, like they kind of try to convince you for the easy route out sometimes. Like, okay, but it's like, time yeah, no. no. They often don't last too long, do they? Yeah, no, they, they don't. And, and I've had that, you know, where often when I'm hearing lot, some one person is just leaving the company now and ours, it's, it's, you know, it was always like, listen, you've got to approve this. You have two weeks. And I'm like, but no, I can't just approve something if it's not right. Yeah. And it was, I felt sometimes mm-hmm. they were like consultants, not not like team players, right? They didn't feel the the love. And I think that's really important mm. is making sure every employee feels as if it's sort of their Theirs. business. And if they're not proud, mm. okay, we figure a way. It's mm. not easy. We have to figure a way. So that's very important. But I kind of want to, going back a bit to the journey. So I know we're in this very iconic place, which I, I believe it's where you first had a job as a yes. florist in the yeah. florist company. It was number It was 42? a delicatessen, actually. This delicatessen. was the kitchen really? that we're sitting at. No yeah. way. So what was that first job like? So my first job was a florist and okay. it was just on the corner of Elizabeth Street, okay, fine, which is now yeah. Tom's oh, yeah, the yeah. coffee so, shop. Yeah. Uh, but that was a florist owned by a man called Justin DeBlanc. Okay. And he was a famous entrepreneurial grocer. Yeah. Uh, come delicatessen. And he was, he was brilliant. And he owned this shop, yeah. which was the deli. Yeah. And he owned a bakery and something else, which I can't remember. But um, so I was fired from the flower shop because I tipped a bucket of water over the manageress one morning. I mean, not the smartest thing to do when you're 16, but I did. Oh, and I, the minute I did it, I was pa- paranoid. Oh, no, I was so scared of what I'd done. And it was completely out of character yeah. for me. I came running up here and um, with her in hot pursuit with leaves in her ears um, and Justin said, Joe, just go downstairs and go and work. So I, this was where I worked. Wow. And next door was, and I learned so much here. Yeah. So even though it wasn't anything to do with fragrance, I learned about retail and the importance of storytelling and the importance of ingredients in food. Mm. So I could have so easily gone into food. 
because I'm very greedy and I love food. Um, but in fact, I, you know, I went in the opposite direction, but I learned just so much here and I learned about ingredients, the smell of, and everything mm. I ever worked with, I would always smell it. Yeah. And I remember one of the chefs saying to me one day, why do you do that, Joe? And I said, because it smells incredible. Mm. And she said, what can you smell? And I would explain what I could smell if it was like a thyme or the skin of an orange, mm. um, chocolate kind of like pebbles, like really dark chocolate. And she said, I can't smell that. No way. What you can smell in a way that is really extraordinary. And as I got older, I realized I had an exceptional yeah. sense of smell. Yeah. I thought everyone could smell like it, but they can't. Really? They couldn't. Yeah. And so when I, would, when I went then back into the florist industry from here i would smell flowers and i would take the stems of flowers and smell them and say that they've been in the fridge they're old i would be able to tell the smell of almost everything wow. and um i would take a christmas tree i remember one one christmas and i put my hand across the pine and smelt it and said that that tree will drop within seven to ten days because it had been in a fridge and, and I could, I could, you, I could uh, smell it. I could smell the rotting in, in the tree. And uh, sure enough, it did. Wow. Uh, and, and so there was all these sort of things that started to mold my world together from beauty. And often in life, life is like a puzzle. Yeah. And you gather these pieces and these stories. And um, so the sense of smell, the retailer, the creative, that my father was also a magician, the part wow. of the magic circle, the entertainment, all of these pieces started to come onto the table in my world and I started to piece them together. So you started piecing them together and then can you tell us a little bit how Jim in London came to be and the journey there? So I started off in skincare. I okay. had a small skincare clinic and I would create these fragrances that were just put into body lotions mm. or uh, bath oils at the time. Yep. And um, I would massage someone's arms with it and the first one I think I did was not making ginger and this woman said to me this is the most amazing smell I've never smelled anything like this Joe and I went oh and I was making them in my kitchen yeah and I was just kind of like smelling and I'd whip it up and paint it on myself or do it something and one day one woman said can I buy a hundred bottles of this I want it to sit at a party I'm holding um, as their table gift. And so every bottle was made by hand. Whoa. Every label was stuck on from pronto print. How, how did you decide to price that? Because that's like, you know, you haven't thought of that as a uh, business yet. I had my, my, so I was married with my husband at right. that point. You, so, you handled that. But I was pretty good at that. I, yeah. I could always figure out, I mean, listen, it doesn't take, it's not rocket science. No, you know how it cost is. Costs. Rough price, market retail, price. Retail, bit in the middle is called profit. What are yeah. you going to do with it? Yeah, so, exactly. so all these people that, that, you know, try and make out, it's really, really yeah. that's, that's I mean, there, what there's it's even about. like, if you go to even study it or YouTube it, you, there are some benchmarks, like 30% yeah. margin, this and that, it's, you know, it's, like, the, it's not that the, hard. The yeah. boundaries. Um, anyway, she bought a hundred bottles and within one month, 86 out of, 86 out of a hundred people wanted to purchase the products and they were buying like 20, 30, 40 bottles at a time. The, the, the pl private plane was going back to Singapore. We had to oh. load it with verbenas of Provence or something. I, can't, I, I mean, it was just incredible. I went from worried about how I was going to pay my rent mm. to this is really, really taking off. And that was at the point where Gary said to me, okay, we need a shop. Mm. And I don't want a shop. I don't want my name on a bag. I love it, you know, just, just the way it is. Um, 
he left his job and then we opened Little Wharton Street. Wow. And on day one, we had a man walk in and offer me a million dollars to sell the company. Yeah, and yeah. and for five years, it just, every day something happened. Mm. Every day there would be like that golden ticket moment. And I think, not yet, not yet, yeah. not yet. Now, hold on, hold on. Right. We owned 100% equity. Yep. Um, we lived very much hand to mouth. Yeah. And then on the third, fourth year, the Estee Lauder Corporation started to visit very regularly. Yeah. And then on the, the fourth year, I went and had breakfast with Mr. Leonard Lauder. Leonard, amazing. And he um, let me know that he was very interested in acquiring the company. Yeah. And a year later, that's what happened. Amazing. That's what, what a journey. And truly, uh, it's, it must be so exciting to know that where the brand has gone today all came from that initial, just that. From a kitchen sink. From a kitchen sink. It's four, amazing. I've still got the four plastic jugs. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But that's where, you know, opportunity. Opportunity is. And, but I made so many mistakes along the way. Yeah. But I still got there in the end. You know, you, and I think you're the only one who mm. is responsible for making your dreams happen for you. Exactly. And don't be... Don't let other people tell you what your dreams should be. No one has the right to do that. So, um, yeah, I pursued my dreams even against the odds, even against what other people said. And then when you get there, everyone goes, oh, I knew that I, would happen. I, yeah. And it's like, no, I told you. It's like, what did you tell me? <laughs> but uh, you know, and exactly to your point as well, it's also like, don't let anyone tell you unless you haven't tried it yet. Because we often have these ideas and dreams, but we haven't tried it ourselves. And only we mm. can decide if we try mm. it. And I always think a lot of people get persuaded by opinions of others. Yeah. But if you haven't tried it, you know, you, if you someone said, oh, don't bother making 100 of those, it's not going to be worth your time. If you didn't try selling those 100, you wouldn't have made... Where you, where you I wouldn't today? be. I wouldn't no. be sitting here chatting to you today. Probably, exactly. I would, no. or maybe I would have found another way. Another way, but I, we never know, right? We don't. You know. don't know, and it's yeah. like just yeah, yeah. You know, step off and try. And I think though, when you start out your first entrepreneurial business mm. and you're younger, you've got a whole heap and parachute of naivety. Yeah. And boy, is that a luxury! It's... Once you've done it, yeah. let me tell you, that naivety is out the window, Honestly. and you you think to yourself. Yeah, that really hurt last time yeah. when I landed. It's so true. But it, life is an adventure. Yeah. And, you know, my father always used to say to me, you don't want to be the richest person in the graveyard. No. And that's so true. That's a really good one. I when like you that. make your money, when you do then go off and, you know, people now build their second, third, even fourth yeah, businesses. Yeah. Whereas when my grandparents were growing up, you handed it to yeah. the next generation, didn't you? Yeah. And it was a generational kind of thing. If that's not happening. That's not a behavior no. that is, um, you know, necessarily... Common today, yeah. Yeah. It's very true. So so after the acquisition of Jemmel in London, mm-hmm. what, were some of the, what were the next kind of years like for you? The, so I had... Uh, one of the reasons I left was I was diagnosed with cancer. Yeah. So halfway through that time and I'd done a year's chemotherapy yeah. I was given nine months to live I had a little boy it wow. was it was a t- really really tough time and the Estee Lauder family Evelyn and Leonard Lauder were incredible and saved yeah. my help saved my life yeah. went to New York to live and what I didn't tell anyone because I had had chemotherapy every five days mm. I lost my sense of smell yeah Oh, God. And so then came back into the business. I remember being in Madison Avenue mm. at the opening of the Madison Avenue Joe Malone store. Yeah. And my hair was curly and I was standing there and I thought, I've got to go. I can't, I can't stay in a business, but I can't tell anyone what's really happened. So I resigned. I yeah. quit and I left. And, of course, I had a five-year lockout. Yeah. 
Um, I remember being in Sloane Street and I said to Leonard, please, can I be the last one to turn the key in the lock and put the product on the shelf for the last time? Boy, did I sob. I cried and cried. And and I, I knew at that point I'd made the biggest mistake of my life. And I couldn't go back. I couldn't, you know. And again, sometimes... We make mistakes because we're human. It's okay. Yeah. It doesn't take away. You know what happens in the moment. It, yeah, your mindset then is very different to what it is now, and you, that was your right then. You know, well, it's certainly not what I feel no, now, exactly. but it was what I felt then. Yeah. And uh, so I walked home, and I thought, oh "My God, what have I done?" And two weeks into that lockout, I woke up, and my sense of smell came back like that in a second. Okay, and it was, "Oh my God, what am I going to do now?" Yeah, I, yeah and. Those five years were worse than fighting cancer. Can because you, you couldn't have created another fragrance brand or skin because no, you were in I couldn't even enter the industry. I, yeah. couldn't, I couldn't do anything. And it was a lockout. Yeah. And I agreed, you know, I agree with the principle of yeah, it, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. But I was so unhappy. Yeah, and yeah. I couldn't even go into a department store for two years in a beauty hall. I couldn't even look at another product. Just because of the Because I just, yeah. I realised at that point... It wasn't a business or a company. It was my life and my best friend. Mm. And I had walked away from something that I had so many happy memories every single day. Yeah. So tried lots of other things, couldn't find what I wanted to do, made TV shows. Mm-hmm. Um, I did all kinds, of, all kinds of things, worked on educational uh, programs for children learning entrepreneurialism in schools and then eventually the five years were almost up and I thought I've got to try again I've got to do it and it wasn't about oh let's make a few little scents put them in bottles let's have a nice little shop at the end of the road it was like I want to go back into a global business Mm. I'd had the taste of that exactly and I love and I was really good at it you could do it and I knew I could do it so that's where we started and we started um, just from our house at home on our kitchen table, yeah. four fragrances and got everything wrong in the first two years. I mean, anything I could have got wrong, I got the packaging wrong. I went running into retail. I, yeah. I, I mean, what? I just was so hungry yeah. to get back to, to business. Yeah. And that crowd uh, sometimes I, a judgment. It's I just, forgot all the print. Yeah. And Gary was saying to me, Joe, None of the principles are in place. None of the disciplines are in place. Stop. Yeah. No, no, I know what I'm doing. Yeah. We'll sell a million Time bottles in the first month. We've got to do it now. Yeah. We ordered a million bottles and we did not sell them. And I can imagine. Oh, and gosh. it was... Because it's stuck in inventory, oh, right? Was, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> You're like, where's the marketing spend? It was yeah. awful. Oh. In the wrong boxes. Yeah, yeah. Oh, gosh, yeah. And then, then life started to turn. Then it started because everyone that picked up, mm-hmm. and it was Pomelo. Pomelo the, is the first. Is Pomelo there? Yeah, I think it is, is that it. one? There you go. Okay. So she's the first baby. Yeah. And this one was wherever we went, wherever I went. Oh, I love this smell. It's the smell of hope. It's wow. The smell this of another is beginning. Amazing. It's the smell of. I, do you remember what my big. Oh, I'll, I'll you know what? I, I, was, I put number 42 on before. So it's laid with number 42. Even this one smells really Well, because this is citrus, it's clean, but it's the smell of the beach. And this fragrance, my big mission for this fragrance in the next five years is to make it the beach fragrance for the world. So I'm going to take it right the way. She was created on a beach. But because of this little fragrance, um, and I would go everywhere with like bottles. And if I met someone, I literally covered them. Yeah. And they would go away and say, that smell, Joe, that smell is incredible. What is it? Can I buy a bottle? And slowly but surely, it, it started to come together. But it was when we came here. So yeah. when we got the shop here 
And it was my birthday present from Gary. Yeah. And he hand, handed me a little box and he said, go be a shopkeeper again because you're an absolute nightmare being at home. <laughs> and it was a key. And I thought, what's that to? And he brought me here. It was my birthday. We wow. sat on the step over there, had a cup of coffee and a bacon sandwich. And I said, I've worked here before, Gary. And he said, I know. Yeah. And I walked in and I saw the vision of Joe Loves in my head. And I said to him, we're going to build a tapas bar. And, and at that point, I thought he was going to go, right, that's it, divorce. <laughs> it's like, this, woman, I didn't buy this. this woman is driving me nuts. Um, and I said, no, we're going to build a tapas bar for your nose. Yeah, for very good. And it was at that point that the business just completely turned and everybody's attention, mm-hmm. whatever they were doing, looked up. And that's what marketing is all about, exactly is gaining it. someone's attention, telling yeah. them stories. Immerse you, them. Yeah, and immerse them. That's it. And then it completely started to turn. And I think that's it. It's also, you really saw what was business and the need of, of that moment, right? Because you were launching it at a, at a later stage when you launched Gemini London. And I can really feel it by obviously smelling both Gemini London and Joe Loves. The, the sophistication of Joe Loves, the scent, it's a lot more in-depth for me personally. I really, and as someone who knows fragrance from a very young age, I really feel the love in, obviously Aww. no pun intended with oh, the that's, name. That's so but I, I generally, I generally, uh, it's, and I yeah. think I'm different though, create, but, yeah. but I, I'm still proud of what I created way back then. Yeah. But it was that young naivety and that, exactly. that young girl. Now I create with a boldness and a strength. I mean, mm. it, I don't, it's plum and leather. Yeah. <gasps> that is so gutsy. Yeah. yeah it's yeah, a really yeah. gutsy fragrance. Um, Golden Gardenia. Yeah. Know, I would never have created something like that 10 years ago. Yeah, I wouldn't so know, even know how to. Yeah. And I think, and I'm about to go into the Middle East and create in a studio out there. And That's going to be a whole different game. Yeah. <laughs> Ouds yeah. And, but I'm, yeah. I love Oud. Yeah, I love Oud. But how do I take Oud? How do I how create do Joe Oud? Exactly. How do I do, um, you know, all the kind of the things and the culture, but fragrance is surrounded. Mm-hmm. So... And I've still got so much to learn yeah, yeah, and so yeah. much to give. So, yeah, it's, I feel incredibly lucky yeah. to have had a second chance. I would never build a third brand. Yeah. <laughs> well, we um, say this, never know, but you, no, never, I wouldn't. you wouldn't. Yeah, uh, yeah. I wouldn't build a third frame, yeah. although I do all the fragrances for Zara. Yeah, yeah. So I do a whole collection oh, yeah, for amazing. Zara. So, yeah, there's different. But I, I think, you know, especially when you're saying that is, it's when you have your own company that you, now Joe Loves is 100% owned by you and Gary, right? It's yeah. your company. Same as me and my sister. Mm. Uh, we haven't taken any outside investment yet. We're nearly three years in. And um, obviously there's different routes for people. Mm. People can mm. do all the routes are fine. You can white label, you can do a yeah. company, the turnkey. But when you create your own thing, I actually get when you're saying I wouldn't do a third. It's like, there's just so much <laughs> energy, <laughs> love, draining, this and that. It takes a lot. And, you know, and I'm nearly 60 yeah. as well. And, and it's like, yeah. And I'm, I'm tired. But I'm loving it. But, but it does. You empty yourself. You do. And I wouldn't want to build any yeah. brand not doing that. I give yeah. a million percent of who I am into yeah. everything I do. Yeah. But it, I have reached a point. I will always have to create fragrance all the way through my life. Mm. But I don't think I'd want to start something from the ground up again, if yeah. I'm really honest. Yeah, no, I, I, can, I can probably relate to that too. And also, I think for me as well, with, I love the beauty industry. But um, there's still many industries out there that I want to explore in my life. And like I what? think, Like, I think for me, um, I, I'm definitely really interested into, like, kind of wildlife and conservation work. So that's, I'm trying to do that with my brand right now. But uh, I've actually personally, um, we've built a fund, me and my sister, but I've connect, disconnected it from the brand because 
a potential acquisition is inevitable, right? I have mm-hmm. to plan for mm-hmm. that in five mm-hmm. years, 10 years. It could happen. But the last thing I want is a conglomerate to take my charity with it and dilute the mission mm-hmm. and not. And what will I work on later? So mm-hmm. a lot of people ask, like, oh, it's Fable and Maine, how much percentage goes to, to, to Tigers and this? And I'm like, well, we're just a vehicle of education. Like you're learning. I'm doing my own money putting in that. I'm not saying the business and the needs of the Tigers are tethered together. Like, no, my Tigers are going to benefit from my own money to them. You can learn from it, from my charity mm-hmm. and from the brand. But going later, like, I want to just spend my rest of my life at, like in Africa, India, in a sanctuary and just help. Because I think with animals is where I find the most kind of Me serenity. Too. It's something. Oh, I'm a, I t- honestly, I feel like I've got tears in my eyes really? at the moment because that, yeah. that was not what I expected you to say. So I have an elephant family. Really? Where? Uh, in uh, Tula Tula in South Africa. We have a conservation project where... I have to talk. I want to get involved and see if I can help. Oh, it's... Way. So my lovely friend, Francois, who yeah. is a fr- wonderful Parisian woman, married this incredible guy, went to South Africa on this yeah. big love affair. And they rescued... They had a plot of land. They rescued seven rogue elephants who mm-hmm. were being so destructive. And... Um, they nurtured and, and gained their trust and faith over a period of time. Wow. We now have a herd of, I think, of 20 elephants. I have a baby hippo named after me called Joe. Oh, and yeah. Joe is, uh, we've discovered he, he's a boy and he's quite bossy in the water. Um, but that's quite my character. But it. we have our elephant family and we have our matriarch, Nana. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and I, we know all the elephants. By, and she's, yeah. just, she's just launched a book. I'm going to send it to you. Yeah, please. She wrote, There's an Elephant in My Kitchen. Okay. And then she's just written, just launched it, The Elephants of Tula Tula. Tula. And it's all the stories of, of her with of conservation. But it's so lovely to hear. It's not just about making money, is it? <laughs> I mean, I, I want to make money for them, right? That's my passion is like, I know to do good, you need to have money. So for me, me and my sister, I just want to make a lot of money with this business to then give it all as much as I can oh, wow. to the animals because... Uh, we have like, um, we do a lot of conservation work right now in, my dad was born in Uganda. Mm-hmm. So in Uganda, Kenya, um, but actually in South Africa, I might be going in December to do some conservation work and some filming. Whereabouts? Um, so right now, like probably we'll go to, um, in, in Cape Town, just because my photo, my videographer friends are there. And then we'll kind of go around a little bit about mm-hmm. kind of Sabi Sabi Sands. And this so if you area. go anywhere near Durban? I'll, Tula, I'll, Tula I'll just plan it around. I'll definitely Two hours. And there's, um, we have Tarbo, who was yeah. a rhino raised by by humans, so he thinks it's human. And when you really? go out in the truck, Tarbo puts his head in your lap and you scratch his ears. Okay, I have to go. It's, uh, but it's so lovely. And you know what? I think I think that's what makes me happy. I mean, listen, yeah. I, I love business. I yeah. love creating fragrance. I love doing what I'm doing. I love creating jobs. But life is so much more. So much more. When you're successful, it? when you're fulfilling yeah. those dreams, you can touch other lives and you can help other worlds. I mean, I, I, I was once at a, at a conference and I had Alice Walton um, from Walmart families. She said something which really stuck with me. And it was, I give because I'm the beneficiary, because I get joy from the joy of giving. Right. And I thought that's such a very open, honest way. It's like, I'm selfish here because I actually get more joy by giving and seeing the animals yeah. benefit or the human and the, and the villages and the local um, people. So I think for me, that's something that I definitely want to like work towards, mm. but mm. It, it's um, growing up. I was very fortunate. My father and it was always, we did a lot of conservation work, but it was always like, dad, I need 50 K to this cheetah conservation work. And I just kind of got fed wow. up of like always 
calling dad. And I was like, I want to make my own my money, money and, do, and it do it myself, but also not be limited then, you know, yeah. not feel like there is a, there's a, yeah. but also bring others with us. There's a lovely uh, saying I saw recently and I loved it. And it says, my ancestors planted the trees mm. so I could enjoy the shade. Oh, I love that. And I, and it really, so nice. really, really resonated with me that it is important for us to literally plant trees, but planting mm-hmm. trees, doing good things mm-hmm. so that the future generations can benefit. Can in, in, can benefit. Yeah. And so uh, true. yeah, so, wow. Oh, I love that. Well, maybe one day we'll be, we'll go on a adventure yeah. to either, and I would love to one day invite you to India to experience a tiger. I would love to. And the work Thank you. I there. really love That'd that. That'd be really nice yeah. to see. So we have five round questions before we <laughs> end. So I do have a, one sort of desert island question mm. for you. So it's going to be a tough one because I'm inviting you to a founded beauty retreat, an island, but I'm being very strict. The, the security is tough and they're saying, Joe, you can only bring one <gasps> one cent. What is your go-to? It's like choosing between your babies. I know it's a, but I'm only like one. Pomelo. Pomelo. Mm-hmm. Why? Because the beach. The beach. And, <laughs> and, it, and, it, and it reminds me, it reminds me that I had a second chance. Yeah. And uh, yeah, it is... Yeah, it would be Pomelo. That's amazing. I love that. So fire round question. So this is first thing that comes to your mind. So the first question is, what's another beauty brand that you're currently loving? Uh, Jones Road. Very good. And I'll be meeting Bobby yeah. Brown oh, as well. Should, so. should, I mean, to come back and do it again is, amazing. is amazing. And yeah, and, and I think it also, it, it's to also innovate along that, which both you and, and Bobby. We're very stars. similar characters. It's very yeah. similar. And I, and I love that. Um, and also for me, it kind of... Um, it's very inspiring because, you know, eventually maybe an Estee or a company would be the eventual exit for, for Fable and Maine. So I always want to, um, I think I want to Lots create... Lots of other options out there. There's other options out there. Because people are, people are looking yeah. uh, because, you know, it's very few people that can build, mm. um, but you get to a certain point and then you need that help, don't you? You do. So, and, I, uh, lots I, of people. and the thing is, I, I'm still, I mean, to be just to sidetrack it, but like I had Anastasia on my, Anastasia Beverly Hills on my podcast and she actually inspired me in a different way to most people I've had where a lot of brands have had exits. And she said, no, I'm building my brand uh, for my daughter and I'm going to continue the legacy and, and pass it down. And I it's thought hard. to myself... <laughs> Actually, you know what? That could still be an option yeah. um, because it's a family. I mean, this is my grandma's traditions, you know, yeah. and I wouldn't necessarily know how comfortable I would feel if like a conglomerate dilutes the mission and the message, right? Um, and I know the natural exit would be, mm. I would be after many, so a couple of years, I wouldn't necessarily mm. be involved. So would I be comfortable with that? I have to understand. Yeah. Um, but that's a yeah, very interesting point. What's a, a guilty pleasure of yours? Um... I love binge watching movies and I'll have days like over the weekend, I'll have a whole day where um, I'll watch Emily in Paris or Below Deck and I love them. I really yeah. I pour myself a glass of wine. I put my candle on, and I because I, I love a good giggle. And it's escapism, right? When uh, you, yeah, you know, it's and just I a way just to take off the work for a you bit. know that feeling like should we watch just one more, one more? Yeah. And my husband goes, "No, I'm not watching." I go, "Okay, okay. Well, I'll just watch one more, and then I find myself watching another four. So yeah. yeah. I feel you. Uh, I, yesterday night I was watching Selling OC, like the Selling Sunset series. You know, the, the, and I was just watching more and more. Then I was like, what They're quite I? similar. Yeah, <laughs> honestly. Uh, I think we have a lot of, lot of similarities there. Um, well, my next question, I'm going to expose you a bit. What are you currently watching or reading? Um, I'm watching Capture. Oh, yeah? Is it uh, Oh, my goodness. Have you, have you watched it on a Saturday? No. It is gripping. Really? And 
um, BBC won't let you go to the next next two. Has anyone else been watching it? It is so gripping. Really? Catch it. Catch so it's the it. second series. Have you watched it? Um, watch it. It's really, okay, really, you've convinced really me. good. Gonna... Really good. So it's about, um, yeah, I won't. I won't no, no, for I those of you listening on this podcast, you'll go, yeah, yeah, it's so good. It's so good. And I found myself, my jaw dropping, dropping down. Mm. Um, I'm reading Elephants of Tula Tula, but I've read, have you read Stanley Tucci Taste? No. <gasps> it's his life story really? through the power of uh, food. Okay. And it is Gene, he's done a documentary or a TV show with it, yeah, yeah. but the book is so and funny. And you really feel the emotion, like yeah. you're very sensorial I when mean, you're reading it. Stanley Tucci is yeah. one of my favourite kind of people in the whole world. So I'm almost finished that, and then I will read uh, Elephants of Tulis. I can only read one book at a time, and because I'm dyslexic, it takes me a bit of a time. Yeah, well, I, I can only read one at a time too. So a lot of people, I don't know how they can read. Like, sometimes I ask this question, some founders like, I mean, this, this, this. I'm like, what? how do you read 10 at one go? No, I can't do no, that. No, I can't do yeah. that either. Um, do you have a favorite social media platform right now? Um, I'm, I have to say I'm a different generation, but I'm loving, I've just started to do my, um, personal Instagram mm. and I'm just telling stories a bit, a bit like it. this. I'd love you yeah. to come and do, so we have something called Sunday story, okay. which is, um, one, two minutes, cup of coffee and a nice, somebody you've met or something that's happened that's good news that you yeah. really feel inspired. I mean, I love us to do Sunday with talking about our conservation projects. Uh, let's do that. I'm done. And amazing. Uh, cause uh, yeah, cause it's nice to, to find out different things different about, things. about, and also what, what, like a whole, what brings people passion and joy as well, because people have a perception often, but they don't get to see other sides of different people. Yeah. And, but also, I mean, I got into a taxi the other day and I was having the most incredible mm-hmm. conversation with this taxi driver. And that's what gave me the idea. It was, you know, find those pieces find those people find those stories they're out there for every single one of us and you walk away and you think what incredible human being i mean he Mm. was an uber driver but he'd come here he was a qualified engineer Mm. and his life had just fallen apart and he was sharing with me and it was so uh, i was so touched by by this man and um you know his strength and energy and i said are you going to go back are you going to go and he said i feel in the last few months that my life is starting to piece back together mm. and i really want an opportunity and we were sitting there trying to figure out what the opportunities could be and how wow. i could help or you know he knew someone and i walked away from that conversation i thought i need more conversations it like is. that but you know what it also reminds me of is like if you don't ask questions you don't know people's stories i think that would be really cool is like having people listen to your stories with other people and then hopefully be inspired to ask others because how how often do we just go tunnel vision have my day especially in like say ubers for example Mm. um when do we ever say we always say how was your day and then yeah it's good so do i and you go back to your phone but instead like how is you know have a conversation have you you had a good day is it you know is it you'll be so surprised and you just open up and sometimes people don't want to talk and that's okay you feel uh, it, yeah. but you know, just that communication. You can. I, my father used to say to me, "Make it, make every minute count." Mm. And it, and I, it's. He's passed away now, but his voice comes to me in my dreams so often at the moment. Yeah. And make every, you know, make five minutes matter. Yeah. And so yeah, I it's try. So I try. Powerful. I don't always succeed. No, no, no. Yeah, <laughs> especially, and especially sometimes we'll be tired or they'll be not in the mood. But if you don't try, you don't ask. You mm. don't know. That's very true. Uh, do you have a favourite quote or like a mantra? Uh, for man to discover, for man to discover new oceans, 
he must first have the courage to lose sight of the shore. I love that. Very, That's very good. one of That's my favourite really ones. One. Uh, but I have lots of really, really... Never look back unless you can laugh. Never look forward unless you can dream. Yeah, that's yeah. a good one. Lots of them. Oh, I love it. And my last question is, if you weren't a beauty entrepreneur right now, what would Joe be doing? I'd be looking after elephants yeah. or tigers. I love that. Um, I'd be doing something with animals, definitely. I okay, think. that's amazing that we had that straight yeah. away, that thing. That's actually really crazy. Yeah, that, for that's me, never happened to me. No, it's never happened to me. I mean, I say, I don't even tend to say it a lot because I'm quite like vocal about being like, I'm, I, I, I love animals more than humans. Sometimes I say, but I'm like, I'm just, that's my thing. That's my, I, there's mm-hmm. enough people helping a lot of people. I need to help animals because I'm just somehow I'm really connected. And Africa, mm. especially, I have mm. to go every December mm. because I feel grounded, reset. Wow. If I don't go, Soul I, food. I, I, honestly, I, I don't feel right ending the year without yeah. being in Africa. So that's why this year I'm thinking South Africa. Wow. Well, it's been an absolute honor Thank and pleasure you. speaking to you. Where can everyone follow Joe Loves and your own personal Instagram? Yeah, Joe Malone CBE. Yeah. And we have a whole new program with the Instagram. So please come and listen to our stories. It's it's a little bit about business, but it's more about life and uh, that's what we lots, need. Lots of inspiring stories, lots of funny stories. Well, that's all. Thank you so much. I'll put all the the links in the summary so everyone can just go Thank click you. straight away. And Thank, Thank you so. very much. Pleasure to meet you. I hope you enjoyed this episode of Founded Beauty as much as I had making it. And if you did, please share it with a friend who you think will love it too. Founded Beauty is available on all podcast platforms such as Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Amazon Music Podcasts, the Acast app, and many more. And I'm also very proud to be part of the Acast Creator Network. So be sure to follow the podcast so you can get episodes as soon as they drop. We really appreciate every single follow, listen, share, and review. It truly goes such a long way and helps us reach new listeners. So as a little thank you, I will be hosting a giveaway each week on my Instagram channel at meta underscore a, where you can win some amazing Fable of Maine goodies. All you have to do is follow me, check out my stories and all will be revealed. Stay tuned for the next episode of Founded Beauty and don't forget to subscribe and follow so you can be notified when it drops.